Amen. Good morning, everybody. Lord, just anoint Tony Romo today. Lord, I repent that I've talked bad about him. I repent that I've slandered him and called him names. And forgive me, Father. Amen. <laughs> you think the pastors in Green Bay are praying this morning? Amen. Lord, curse Green Bay and the churches in that town. God, just drop a bomb on them. Amen. No, no, I'm, pl- I'm playing. Amen. I'm playing. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. I just had to throw that in. Amen. I, I really, before I, I bring the word this morning, I really do want to pray. And I want you to join with me. And you agree with me as I pray right now. Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, I want to lift up Tulia and Swisher County. I want to lift up the surrounding communities, Father from Demet to Nazareth over into Silverton, from Happy over into Crest and even into Plainview. And Father, I pray you pour out your spirit on our communities in 2015. Father, I lift up the churches and I lift up the pastors. And Father, I pray this morning that the churches in these communities, that you anoint the pastors, you strengthen them, you refresh them, that you anoint and refresh the people of our churches, God, that we make a difference in this city and in the cities we live in this year, that we boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ this year, that we're not afraid to pray for people. We're not afraid to love people. Father, I know this community matters to you. I know West Texas matters to you. And so, God, I ask you that you pour out your spirit on us this year. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. I appreciate you agreeing with me in prayer. Uh, I'm starting a new series this morning called The Coming King, and I'm going to read to you out of the very back of the Bible this morning. I'm going to read to you out of Revelation 22, which is the last chapter of the New Testament. And I'm going to literally read the last few verses in the New Testament to you. So let me start in Revelation 22. I'm reading... Uh, starting with verse 17, and I'm using the New King James Version, and uh, it should be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible or a smartphone with you. Listen to what it says. And the Spirit and the bride say, come, we're the bride. We're the bride of Christ. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. It's got an exclamation point. It doesn't say, come. It says, come. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. All right, would you do it with me? Would you say, come? All right, now do it better than that. Come on. There you go. All right. And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of the life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that were written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, now that's speaking about the book of Revelation, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming Quickly. Now, in my Bible, my translation, those words are in red, which signifies it's Jesus himself speaking. Let me read the sentence to you one more time. Surely, Jesus says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The last recorded sentence that Jesus spoke in the New Testament says this. Surely I'm coming quickly. Now, just the very first thing I want to stir in your heart this morning is, of all the things Jesus could have said to us, of all the things he could have reminded us of. Now, I believe Jesus still speaks today. 
He's not mute. He's not silent. He's still speaking. I have a walking, talking relationship with Jesus Christ today, and you can have one also. But the last recorded statement in the New Testament, Jesus reminds us of this. Hey, guys, I'm coming, and I'm coming quickly. Now, let me give you the Greek definition for the word quickly. And I know we're from West Texas. We know what quickly means, right? The people in the second service, you know what they're going to think? Pastor, preach quickly. Amen? Because we've got to be home by noon, right? Preach quickly, Pastor. We all know what quickly means, right? I mean, I've got my TV turned on at the house right now with the sound on, on the right channel. So when I walk through the threshold of the door, that's the first thing I'm going to hear. I'm not going to have to look for my remote. I'm not going to have to wonder. I'm surprised this service is in standing room only this morning. Amen? And we have 10 people in the second service. I mean, we know what quickly means, right? I, I, so I'm not in, 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 insulting you. But let me tell you what it says. Here's what quickly means in the Greek. It's with speed, swiftness, <clears throat> and shortly. <clears throat> now, I know, I know this, and I know you do too. When you read that verse, you think, yeah, right, okay? That was 2,000 years ago. Jesus said he was coming quickly. It seems to me like the last thing he's doing is coming quickly. But the thing you have to understand is you have to back up just a little bit and if you would look at it in the context of eternity, okay? Now, I had, I had a pastor I, one time I heard do a great example. He had a Bible on the platform, and he took one page out of that Bible, and he pulled it up, and he put it between his hands, one thin page. If you have a Bible in front of you, I'd encourage you to take one thin page of your Bible and pull it up into your hands. And he said, that's your life, that one thin page. Then he said, all the pages before and all the pages after are eternity. That one thin sliver of paper represents our life. That 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years compared to eternity goes by in a moment. The Bible says in the, in the Old Testament that our life is a vapor. It also says that in the New Testament, it's one of my mother's favorite verses, life is but a vapor. And I used to think, oh, whatever that means, I don't know. But now I know what it means. All right, time goes by quickly. Jesus said, I'm coming quickly, and when I come, I'm going to set up my kingdom. Listen, Jesus isn't coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. Okay, so there's only one side to be on, and it's the side of God. Amen? So it doesn't matter your religious affiliation or conservative or liberal or any of that stuff, right? Jesus isn't coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. Did you know that in the Old Testament... There are 300 prophecies about the first coming of Jesus. Now, we just came through the Christmas season. We just celebrated Advent, which means coming. And Jesus promised in the New Testament, God gave 300 promises or prophecies. What's a prophecy? All a prophecy is is God says, hey, I'm going to do something. I'm promising I'm going to do something in the future. There are 300 prophecies in the Bible that record that Jesus would come the first time. And he did. He did. 300 prophecies where God said, I'm going to send my son, and he did. Now, here's what's amazing. There are over 1,500 prophecies in the Old and New Testament about the second coming of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? 300 about the first coming, 300 promises. You know, the Bible is a prophetic book, and we're a prophetic people. What does that mean? Well, that doesn't mean we're weird. It just means what? We have a future. 
So God promised 300 times, I'm going to send my son. He did. He came. Now, you and I live in between the first coming and the second coming, and it's been almost 2,000 years or so since the first coming. Then there's 1,500 promises in the Old Testament and the New Testament that say, oh, by the way, I'm coming again. And Jesus, the last thing he records in the New Testament is this, uh, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Pretty powerful. It says the bride is supposed to say what? Come. Come quickly. Now, what happens to us? Well, the same thing that happens to me happens to you. We get caught up in this life. We get caught up in our day-to-day lives. We get caught up in making a living. We get caught up in raising our families. And those are good things. They're not bad things. But what I want to do to you this morning is I want you to look up, okay? You're behind that plow with that mule, and you've been looking at that mule's rear for so long that that's all you see is that plow and that mule. And I want you to look up this morning and catch the horizon. And I want you to look up past what's happening today. I want you to look up past what's happening tomorrow or this week or this month. I want you to look up and look past what the doctor has said. I want you to look up and look past what the guy on the news said. I want you to look up and look past what the guys on the market are saying. And I want you to look at eternity. Because listen, folks, that is the only thing that really matters. Jesus said, I'm coming quickly. He promised to come the first time. And he will come the second time. And you and I are going to live for all of eternity together in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is going to be our Lord. He's going to be our Savior. And he's going to be our King. And listen, that day is coming. Amen? All right. I want to go to another scripture. I want to go to John 14. John 14, starting with verse 1. Again, Jesus is speaking. And let me read you a promise that Jesus gave to you and I. John 14, verse 1, it'll be on the screen. Now, this is the New Living Translation. So if you have a different translation, I'd love for you to look at the screen and follow along with me. Listen to what Jesus said. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, stop right there and let's have a powwow. Right? Let's build a fire and get our moccasins on and dance around the fire. Jesus said you don't have to be troubled. Listen, I said it last week. Don't worry. Don't worry about the economy. Don't worry about the doctor's report. Don't worry about your bills. Don't worry about the future. Listen to me. Jesus said for you to not be troubled. Whatever's troubling you this morning, I want you to do it, take it in your hands, and I want you to give it to Jesus. Every Wednesday night in Power Kids, we have 130 to 160 kindergarten through fifth graders, and it's like herding cats. You guys, I've never herded cats, but it's, it's exactly what it's like. And I try them to get them all going in the same direction. And here's how we pray in power kids. I tell them, put, now they're seated. And I say, put your hands in your lap and open your hands like a bowl and close your eyes. And then take whatever problem you have in your life, put it in your hand, close your hand around it, and lift it up to Jesus with your eyes closed. And then I say, imagine Jesus reaching into your hand and taking your problem. And then we pray and they open their hand and they give their problems to Jesus. Their troubles. Listen to me, church. It wouldn't hurt you to do the same thing. Listen, you don't have to be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Verse 2, there's more than enough room in my Father's home. If there were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Did you hear what that promise is? What did Jesus say? He said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus isn't hanging out in heaven and doing nothing. He's there doing what? He's preparing the kingdom for you and I. 
Listen, I cannot wait to be with Jesus in heaven. I cannot wait to live in the kingdom. I can't wait for Lance and I to see each other and we both have hair. I cannot wait for that day. Amen. I've seen pictures of Lance with hair. Amen, brother. I mean, he had ha- I had hair. Amen. Now, I'm good looking bald just like Lance is, okay? I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it, it'll be awesome. Just to, I've got those old pictures, right? You and I are going to live in the kingdom. Listen to what he said. He said there's more than enough room. Don't you love that? Now, my wife watches HGTV. That's one of her religious weekly experiences. She loves that channel, and she loves that show, and I'm so glad we have two TVs. Amen? And one of the new things going on on HGTV is tiny houses. Maybe some of you ladies have seen it. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're having church now. Woo, man. (laughs) Hallelujah, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Right? Yeah, and, and people are moving out of their 1,500, 2,000-square-foot homes, and they're moving into houses that are 200-square-foot. Tiny houses. Listen, there won't be any tiny houses in heaven. Amen. Why? Because the Scripture says right here, there's more than enough room for you. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready? Don't you love that? When everything is ready. Lord, how come Jesus doesn't come where everything must not be ready? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, I don't know about you, but that comforts me. He said, where he's going to be, I'm going to be. Ricky, where he's going to be, you and I are going to be. And all of our troubles and all of our problems and all of our heartaches and all of our worries and all of our hurts. Paul, in fact, said that the things we're going through right now are light, light afflictions, and they're temporary. And I would beg to say, Paul, that's not true. They're not light and they're not temporary. But compared to eternity, they are. What did Jesus say? He says, where I'm at, you'll be also. Now listen to this. And you know the way to where I'm going. Now I love the next verse. No, Lord, we don't know. I don't, Jesus said, hey, I'm going, and you know where I'm going. And, and it's like, no, well, I would have been that guy, right? Well, hold it. Hold it, Lord. Have you got a map? Listen to what he said. No, we don't know, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. How do we know the way? Don't you love that? All right. Have you ever talked to a farmer that knows every farmer in every county within 200 miles of here, and they'll give you directions? Oh, you know, my brother's a crop duster, and he can tell you how to get anywhere where he lives. Oh, you know, you go down two and a quarter miles, and there's a stump, and you turn right, and there's a cow right there licking his lips, and you turn left, right? And, and then you get to, you know, you get to the Jones place, and the Joneses haven't lived there for 50 years, but it's the, right, it's the Jones place, and you're lost before you even leave the driveway, Right? You don't have any idea how to get there, but you're lost, right? Jesus said, hey, I'm going away, and go up to this stump and turn right. When you get there, there'll be the old Jones place, and go ahead and just stay north. No, no, Lord, no, no. What Thomas say? He said, hey, I don't have any idea where you're going. What are you talking about? How am I going to get there? Listen to what Jesus said. This verse, I've known this verse my whole life. Many of you have too, and it brings it into context. Jesus told him, well, I'm the way. I'm the way. If you're with me, you're going to get there. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father, or no one will end up there, or no one will find their way except through me. Now, in the few minutes that I have left, I want to give you six simple things that you can do to help make the coming kingdom a reality in your life. Six simple things that you can do. Here's the first one. Be aware of the times. Be aware of the times. What do you mean, Pastor? I want to tell you two things. First off, I believe the Bible teaches and bears out that we live in the last days. When's Jesus coming? I don't know. Is he coming in my lifetime? I don't know. But here's what I do know. If you'll forgive me and let me use a a football analogy, okay? 
divide life up into four quarters, okay? And let's just take, for argument's sake, 20 years. The first quarter's 20 years, the second quarter's 20, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter. So when you get to the end of the game, you've got 80 years. And then after 80 years is overtime, okay? So I'm about to be 60 years old. I'm getting ready to enter the fourth quarter of the game. I'm not in the first quarter. I'm not in the second quarter. I'm not in the third quarter. I'm fixing to enter the fourth quarter. What's the fourth quarter? The fourth quarter is from 60 to 80. Now, if I live past 80 and I don't know that I won't or that I will, then to me, that's overtime, okay? That's over. I'm in, I'm in overtime in the game, and God's got something that I'm doing specifically, and I'm in overtime. Be aware. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. Most men live their entire lives with wrong priorities. I see men in their fourth quarter, but they want to live like it's the second quarter. They work like it's the second quarter. They spin like it's the second quarter. And they have no hope of ever thinking about tomorrow. They can't see past the end of their nose. Here's my question to you this morning. Be aware of the times. When are you going to make Jesus the priority of your life? Are you going to wait another year? Are you going to wait another five years? Are you going to wait another ten years? When are you going to decide that Jesus is the center of your life, and you're not going to waste one more minute, you're not going to waste one more day, you're not going to waste one more moment chasing your thing, doing your thing, saving up, doing whatever it is that you think you've got to do because, oh, I've got plenty of time and I can serve God later. All right, right now, today. Be aware of the times. Here's the second thing you can do is stay grounded in God's Word. If there was ever time to read your Bible, it's now. Listen, folks. You never know when people are preaching goofy if you're not reading your Bible. You got to read your Bible. So when somebody says something weird, you can say, well, well, there's only one problem with that. That's not in the Bible. Are you with me? Read your Bible. Man, get your Bible. and re- I said it last week. Read your Bible more often. I'm not condemning you. I'm not attacking you. But just get grounded in the Word of God. Man, make it a priority this year. Make it a priority the rest of your life. Man, I'm going to get my nose in this book, and I'm going to find out what it says. So when Rusty's up there running his jaw, I'll know what he's saying is the truth. Amen? Here's the third thing I want you to do. I want you to stand with God no matter what. Now, this past week, Bernice Holting passed away, and she's in heaven right now. And many of her family are here this morning. And when I was over at the home and I saw Bernice in her waning hours and her children were all there and some of their mates and some of the grandchildren, and here's the one thing I heard from every single one of them, Mom, never shut up about Jesus. When we'd bring our friends over, she would embarrass us. When people would come to our house, she would talk about Jesus. She would talk about Jesus to the UPS man. She talked about Jesus to the FedEx man. She talked about Jesus. Mom always was sharing her faith. Now, listen, Bernice and and Dickie, he's in heaven, and I'm sure they're dancing down the main street together. Amen. And when, whenever she was here, she was always just this tiny little lady and uh, just this small little woman, but she loved Jesus. And when you went to her house, her Bible was open, and she'd have Christian music playing. Jesus was the focus. Listen to me. Stand with God no matter what. Now, listen, I've done funerals, and I've asked people, well, hey, what was Grandma's favorite verse? Well, she didn't have one. Uh, Can I see Grandma's Bible? Well, she didn't have one. Well, where, where did Grandma like to go to church? Well, Grandma didn't go to church much. 
Jesus wasn't the focus. Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with God no matter what. Now, here's what I want you to understand. What legacy are you leaving? Okay, when I'm, and I might do your funeral, I might not. You might be at my funeral, okay? But here's what I want to ask you. When I'm with your kids, what are they going to say about you? Are they going to talk about Jesus? Are they going to bring up Jesus? Or are there other things in your life that mattered more to you than that? And that's what you talked about. Stand with God no matter what. Tommy Birchfield, where we go to camp, and he always says this, and I've never forgotten, I don't care who it puts me with or who it takes me from, I'm following Jesus. Listen, when you get around your dinner table, talk about Jesus. When you sit around the couch, talk about Jesus. Talk, make it so where it's not an embarrassing thing in your home. Talk about Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus. Let me give you the fourth one. The fourth one is don't be afraid. And I touched on that already, but I just want to remind you, listen, don't be afraid. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. You don't have to be afraid of today. Listen, you do not. Listen, uh, I've read the back of the book, and we win. Yeah, yeah. The devil doesn't win. We win. So no matter what you hear on the news, no matter what you see, no matter what you read, uh, Jesus is Lord. You know what the Bible says? Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Lucifer himself is going to bow on one knee, and he's going to tilt his head forward, and he's going to say, Jesus, you are the Christ. Every demon in hell will do it. Every lost person will do it. Every person who's ever been created and ever lived will say and confess, Jesus, you're Lord. Now, listen, I'm not going to be forced to do it. I'm going to do it of my own free will. And I do it now, and I'm going to do it then. Amen? And I do it right now just like you do, and I'm going to do it when I get there, and I'm going to freely say, Jesus, thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. You're my Lord and my Savior. Amen? All right, so you don't have to be afraid. Here's the next one. God's side is the winning side, and I said that already. God's side is the winning side. Which side are you on? I'm on God's side. I'm on God's side. I'm not on any politician's side. I'm not on any government side. I'm not on any group side. I'm on God's side. Listen, if you'll stay close to Jesus, the promise in John is what? You'll get where I'm going. Listen, I'm staying close to Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. When people see me in the grocery store, I want them to say, oh, my Lord, here comes that nut who wants to talk about Jesus. Let's get out of here. Right? Instead of, oh, there's that guy who wants to sell us something or that guy that wants to talk politics or that guy whatever. I want to be known for Jesus Christ. Here's the last one. Make your heart completely God's. Can I ask you a question this morning? This last year, what have you given your heart to? What have you given your heart to? Now, there's a simple test to decide that. Well, Pastor, I don't know. Okay, go back and look at your checkbook and look at your calendar. What you've put the majority of your time in and what you've put the majority of your money in, the Bible says is what you've given your heart to. Make your heart completely God's. Now, I'm not saying this about anybody in this room, but I think one of the things that we struggle with most as Christians in our walk with God is simply this. We're not in love with Jesus. Now, we want to go to heaven. We believe the gospel. You've confessed Jesus as your Savior, but you've not fallen head over heels in love with Jesus. We've given parts of our heart to other things. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Make sure your whole heart belongs to Jesus. Jesus hears my heart. 
Here's everything I am. Here's everything I ever will be. Jesus hears my heart. What did he say? Love me with your what? Whole heart. Not part of your heart. Not the part you have left over. No, with your whole heart. All right, six simple things. Let me read them and we're going to close. Be aware of the times. Stay grounded in God's word. Stand with God no matter what. Do not fear. God's side is the winning side. And make your heart completely God's. Stand up and let's close in prayer. Praise God. I'm so glad you were here this morning. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus. Father, I love you. I'm thankful that we know the times. We know what time we're living in. And Jesus, I'm glad that you love us and that you have a heart for us and that we're right in the middle of what you're doing. Father, I pray a blessing over every person here. I pray grace. I pray strength. I pray hope over every person that leaves this service today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, Amen, y'all.